Got some got some lo-fi jazz in the background too. I like to always put some lo-fi yes. chill hop in the back. I figured since we got cool, the man. jazz man on tonight, we'll get the lo-fi jazz rolling. Which sorry, it's, I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but the final product will have it. The final I can I can barely <laughs> hear it, but I can tell it's there and it's and it's chill. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh you can hear it. Ba- barely, not very well. Okay. But right on. Yeah, it's it's grooving. It's grooving. <laughs> <laughs> it's no Americano Cafe where we first met, but uh Americano Well no, you know, honestly like this new um jazz that's sweeping the nation is really fun. And it's all yeah. of this it's like soul jazz is what it's and that's what it sounds like back there. And this band Snarky Puppy, you know, people that say jazz is dead, like this like mo- movement of neo soul and new jazz from Snarky Puppy is hmm ridiculously cool it's all over nashville there's tons of bands playing it people clamoring at jam sessions trying to learn how to do it and you know it's funny i mean jazz it won't die they try (laughs) to kill it with pop music but they can't it it somehow lives on in a new form just like a like a super villain that comes back you know mutated but still alive (laughs) that's awesome yeah, right away in the chat, Otto Rock says, jazz is here to stay. <laughs> it is here to stay. You can't shake it. You know what's funny? Like, Christmas, every year, people, all of a sudden, they like jazz again. Like, they didn't like it for yeah. 11 months, and then they, like, come out of the coma, like, where's my Frank Sinatra CD? Where's my Nat King Cole? We gotta get it going. And they get really mad if they don't have it. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, this music is available all the time. You could be happy. You could be this happy all the time if you would you know they don't realize that it's the high energy lovely jazz music that's a big part of that you know christmas spirit that comes through it's the it's the medium it's not just the the words it's also the the cool style that goes with all those classics yeah yeah i will admit um right off the bat i'm not the biggest jazz fan but but hear me out when you're in a coffee shop and you're working on something or you're like having like you're doing something active like you're focusing on like you're you're talking with someone or you're like working on something or you're reading something there's literally nothing better ever in the world than like some some chill awesome jazz in the background like in a coffee shop yeah like i'll oh, take no and, other music <laughs> i would and you know I would not like plug jazz, in any other music over that yeah it, when you when you broaden the definition of jazz almost all american music is kind of jazz I mean, what jazz basically is, it means we've got music and ideas from a melting pot of cultures, and we're going to improvise over it, okay? So, like, anything that you hear on the radio that's got a melody, and it's got, you know, influences from any other American artist, and you've got people soloing over it, like, country music isn't all that far off, really, from jazz. I mean, they're both kind of derived from the blues. Um and it's just, it's obviously very different and that country doesn't swing, although it can, like Western swing. Um, but you know, pop music, funk music, rap, um, it's all got its origins in jazz. And that's what's so cool about American music. I mean, like if you talk to class, classical pianists, um, they're expected to know three or 400 years of rep, repertoire, you know, going through Mozart, through Beethoven and Bach, and all of that stuff. They gotta know all of it, hundreds of years. And, you know, American music, it's, it, some of it sounds so much different. I think, you know, classical music might sound the same 
to a lot of people's ears going through those hundreds of years. But, you know, you look at American music, it's just amazing how much ground we covered in a short amount of time. And yeah. the, the, the variety of music is, it's amazing. And it's all kind of jazz. So like, I don't know, whenever I hear jazz, people say, oh, I hate country. Or I hear country people say, oh, you know, I don't really like jazz. I just try to, I try to point to the common origin. Like, look, like, you know, when you think it's awesome, when your favorite guy like plays a solo, or you like you hear how the instruments communicate with each other like prior to music in america this a lot of this music was written out there were jam sessions and so forth in the old days but um what what american music did was really just make the um regular everyday guy at least in a eurocentric view it, it took it took eurocentric music and it made it like colloquial it made it it made it for the people anybody can sing it play it improvise over it yeah. regardless of training it's, it's uh, really the whole american music story it's really tied to american history and american values of freedom growth change you know making things better making making lives better for people making making something more accessible yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i was in a conversation once like um it was awesome. It was a quick little side note. I was like, you know, you know, smoking cigarettes outside of a bar a few years ago when I was out in San Diego. And some kid was like, yeah, like America doesn't have a culture. Like America's culture is everyone else's culture. You know, like what is America ever made, you know? And this right. kid just so like, just so like honestly and humbly, like not trying to be a jerk, was just be like music. <laughs> Yeah. And it just like it was just like deafening because I think everyone was kind of like, yeah, good point. Like, yeah, America doesn't have a cult, blah blah. blah. And guys like, uh, like music. And like, by the way, we're in here enjoying it. Like, we're in here like listening to like some surf pop. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. yeah, that's a really profound like a one word answer like so profound because like everything you're saying like the American American music has evolved and gone in so many different directions and so many like profoundly impactful amazing directions it's like undeniable that american music is <laughs> the greatest yeah, yeah it's undeniable america it's, <laughs> i mean as far as music goes like that's i i like american music more than any other music honestly yeah. and um yeah dude like it, it, even if you look at like only the worst parts of american history under a magnifying glass and, and no matter how hard you try to skew it like there was it is amazing what the what the cultural diffusion of all the different people coming together to play music has done like it is completely it is it's rocked the world yeah. in so many ways <laughs> so, oh yeah yeah man before we get too far gotta introduce you gotta gotta let the people know who you are i'm with uh james park here tonight you can find him at it's the 2020s that's an awesome handle <laughs> Thank That's you, some man. awesome Thank digital you. real estate you locked down. Uh, it's the Thank 2020s uh, on Instagram and anything else like a website or webpage or anything you want people to find you at? Oh, my website. I have jamespaulpark.com, but it's not done. They can they can go click on it if they want to and see some funny images and laugh laugh at my incompetence. <laughs> but I do. I, I got jamespaulpark.com, so that was pretty yeah. cool too. Well, in the future, you can you can look at that website that will be up and running. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, man. Yep. But I love, so you describe yourself, because this is what, and perfectly kind of what you're talking about, and I know you're going to crush this, uh, <laughs> but you describe yourself as a roaring 2020s pianist. What does that mean? 
Well, what's up with that's that? What, what's up with the 2020s that's for you? Yeah, right. <laughs> I I was I thought it was so cool when 2020 rolled around because I grew up playing music from the 1920s and I thought this is like the marketing opportunity of a century and yeah. it's amazing because I'm not the only one that's known but every everybody has seen this huge swell of like vintage stuff coming back um, and, and you know I'm in Greater Nashville in Greater Nashville alone there's 50 1920s themed speakeasies and you know obviously Nashville is a cultural hotbed but if you go on Instagram and type in hashtag vintage, hashtag we're in twenties, um, there is like this huge movement of people realizing that this is this amazing culture of jazz music. And it didn't, it wasn't just in the twenties. It was in the twenties, thirties, the forties, the fifties and the sixties and a pretty, you know, it was, it was always evolving and it's continuing to evolve, but it was it, America's pop music in one way or another from the 20s all the way to the 1960s. And all of a sudden it was gone for flash. We had the 70s and rock and roll and 80s and 90s and 2000s and rap and all this other stuff came up and people were kind of going, hey, this is amazing music, where did it go? You know, this is culture was cool. We, we were all going out and dancing with each other. We had really cool social norms associated with dancing with bands, with, with a really, it was a real part of the social ecosystem was music. And, you know, people, people miss that. And so there's this wave and all I can say, man, is it's the 2020s and I'm just riding the wave <laughs> and going this, this swell that's come back. And for any of you guys out there that haven't, you know, taken a gander at what's going on with this vintage revival, it's something. And whatever city you're in, type in speakeasy, see what bands are playing. Like, and you know, I think that, I just want to be clear. I think that these people that dress up every day like it's the 20s or the 30s or the 40s, like the crazy people you see. I think that's so stupid. Like just because it's the 2020s and we are realizing how cool jazz was, we're remembering it. It doesn't mean we have to dress up like, you know, it's 1920. It's not 1920. It's great music. In fact, it's timeless. This music, jazz, is totally timeless. Hence, it won't go away. Hence, people still love it at Christmas, whatever. You don't need to dress it up in a gimmick, you know, in order to make it cool it's already cool so yeah. the whole point of jazz is that it's cool just look at miles davis you know smoking a cigarette it's already cool you don't have to um you don't have to make it all weird so that's why i say <laughs> 2020s this is really fun so like you won't find any picture okay you might find one I, okay i'll go to a event i've been to a vintage party here and there and you can even dress up for a vintage party but as far as making it because it is the 2020s why wouldn't you have a why wouldn't you have a new year's eve themed 20s party right yeah. but we don't have to make it stupid or weird so that, that's my point and and so you won't find me acting like it's a different year than it is i'm just trying to, i'm just playing jazz music here in nashville being a cool ass dude and you know sharing this great music yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome so yeah i heard um someone kind of talk about you know, the twenty the, the 1920s was such like a party because it was this like euphoria that came after like the horrors of like World War One, And then like people always have that nostalgia of like the 1950s. And it's the same thing. It's like everyone like faced this trauma of World War Two, and they came home and they just wanted to like relax. 
and forget <laughs> and party yeah. and like have families and like you know it's like it's like this period of like cultural boom because people were like so traumatized by what just happened and they were trying to escape that and then flash forward now like we're coming off of like 20 years of a war on terror and the two-year coronavirus thing i think we're yeah. getting that same vibe right now <laughs> you know yep. convenient timing in the 20s of like people just being like dude i need to chill <laughs> i need to relax and people getting real creative and artsy instead of like so strung up and high you know I don't know the right way to put it, but like just trying to escape that trauma and put it into something more like creative and more like entertaining and more fun, <laughs> not as serious. I feel that. Intense. I feel yeah. that. I feel that for sure. Like for whatever reason, everybody had to take a hard look at themselves during this pandemic because you had to live with yourself, you know, for more time <laughs> than you ever did before, in one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. even if, even if you were like a total denier, like you still had more time alone. I don't care what anybody says yeah. because like not everybody was going out, you know. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, I agree. I think we all have to take a hard look at ourselves and find ways to entertain ourselves. And, you know, it's created the, I was never on Instagram really before the pandemic. I mean, and then I get, I go on there and I saw all this amazing music uh, going on in Nashville and other yeah. cities and it's like just people filming their own stuff and you're right it has kind of created a cultural renaissance and now people are feeling safer they're going out again and um with with fresh eyes appreciating what they had yeah yeah well we're yeah, in the 2020s I mean, sorry yeah like it's it's the 2020s like so we've got all kinds of different things happening, right? Like, um, the world has changed a lot. Um, you know, for one, I used to go out all the time. I would go out to dinner almost every night, you know, meet tons of people. And then um, when the pandemic happened, obviously it was a lot harder to do that. But, you know, now I'm kind of getting back to that, going out all the time, meeting people all the time. and. Um, you got to experience this craziness that's happening, whether you, whether you agree with the way things are these days, like, or if you're shocked by it, or if you love it, or if you hate it, you get out there and see the world right now, like it is a different place, period. Have you noticed this? Like, yeah. it, good and bad, it is just straight up different than it was. Yeah, for better and for worse, <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Been, I think we're heading into a new era. Like it's been a weird <laughs> I don't know. I think it's been a really weird last 10 years whether people want to like it's kind of hard when you're living in it to know it kind of thing. But I think when you when like the history books are written about what happened from like 2010 to 2022 or whatever, it's going to be yeah. a wild time of like real Remember how crazy things got? Remember how weird that was? Remember how much of trolls on the internet got a president elected? You know, like there was some weird stuff that like in retrospect was like pretty insane and crazy. I mean, Donald Trump was president. Like in the moment that is crazy enough. But like looking back on it, it's like he was like a Miss America TV guy. And then a bunch of internet trolls got him elected, you know? That's kind yeah. of like crazy. And like in the moment, it, it is crazy, but I don't think like the big impact of it is felt until like there's some perspective later on. And that's just one little 
part of it. I mean, I just think everything that's happened and everything that's changed so drastically is going to be like thoroughly like reviewed and <laughs> examined and it's going to be seen as like this profound time of change in our culture and in our country. Oh, yeah. I think I think because we're still kind of coming out of it a little bit. It's still yeah. here. Yeah. And it was it was crazy and it was and it was really funny how Twitter was this guy's platform and he by saying every all the wrong things just generated so much attention and so much press and you know and it resulted in this presidential win i mean a lot of them were hating that guy is so smart and and yeah. watching the whole thing was so ridiculously insane like you've got to, you've got to be amazed by it. Yeah. Like, come on, this guy with no nothing, no experience at all, actually was able to pull it off with everybody, all the lobbyists, all the TV, all all the media, everybody hating him, and like it, he literally just like he, he gave him a taste of their own medicine, yeah. and, and he won. It's fucking crazy, man. It's just mind-boggling. I and like I was telling you before, like watching him in office was kind of stressful. Like the things that he would say would, I, I would get so pissed off by the stupid ass shit he would say. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? I don't know. Yeah, feel free. Just nothing. Um, nothing that's going to get me like deplatformed from all my channels. No, nothing intensely crazy. But yeah. Yeah. Well, no, sure. I mean, I'm just saying, like. Like watching all of that stuff happen was just, yeah, it, it was phenomenal. It was like what a time <laughs> to be alive. Like, yeah, it was pretty because he really was. I mean, at least if not like the first, he was definitely the first in a long time of all the presidents that just like said what he wanted to say. And it was like you could argue, like, oh, it's mean or it's stupid or but you know, apply whatever opinion you want on it. The fact of the matter is, like, he wasn't reading a script. Like, he wasn't reading a teleprompter. He was saying what he wanted to say, not what his team of experts and his his staff wanted him to say, which is pretty wild. <laughs> it was a I pretty crazy I, time. Like, you said, love him or hate him. Like, it just really was like, wow, this guy is, like, himself. And, like, presidents don't do that. <laughs> you know, one thing, one thing I'll say that I think he really, he actually accomplished this, even with the woke mob or whatever, what he definitely accomplished was I think everybody took a hard look at political correctness and actually, you know, whether they embraced it or whether they rejected it or, or whether, you know, what happened to me over the course of his presidency is I just got a lot tougher. I realized how little, you know, words really mean and how much your actions mean. Um, and yeah, like I've been told, you know, I, in my former life, not that this is great podcast entertainment, but at the time that he, that he was president, I was an insurance agent and that's a hard job because you get rejected a lot. Okay. I was, I was a musician too, but I was hustling doing that. And like, you know, thinking about political correctness and thinking about myself and like realizing the ways that I kind of let people push me around because I had been let myself get hurt by what they would think of me. Um, and, and like, I, I, I really admired, like, just, you know, this idea that we need to think about, are, are we, should we let what people say, should we really let it hurt us? 
Um, and, you know, it is hurtful, some of that stuff, but we've, I think we all got a lot tougher. We realized, yeah. um, you know, we just had to really think through like our own ego, like, wow, like people just say shit, you know, and you just, you deal with it. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's gotta be in, again, like in the moment, man, that's rough. Like <laughs> getting denied so often in like sales, but then yeah, like after the fact, like, yeah, your skin is thicker, the wounds heal, <laughs> the scars get tougher, you know, and you, right. you grow and you improve and then like every other situation is that much easier. Like you're better exactly. equipped to handle whatever comes next and after dealing with that exactly. much failure. Exactly. And I'm sure that people on the other side, you know, or Democrats or whatever, or who knows what I am anymore, but, um, you know, Don with Donald Trump, like, I think a lot of them actually probably went through, God, this guy's really hurting my feelings too. Fuck this guy. I don't give a shit what he says. And <laughs> they didn't, they yeah. don't know it yet, but that was actually, that's, that's a good thing to go through of like, you know, wow what people say, I, I can be, I can be greater. I can be more powerful than the way that people make, you know, make me feel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's true. I mean, yeah, no, but you can use words to your advantage too. Like, I think it was also like everybody kind of realizing like, wow, people, people say do things to, to take power, to get in control to, and th that's how the world has always been. Always. Yeah. And if you want to get what you want, you've got to be better with your words too. And, you know, it kind of showed that, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword or what have you, or like your, you know, words, whether or not you let yourself be influenced by them or not, we shouldn't, we should be tougher than that, but they are powerful, powerful things. Like you can talk your way into so many things and like, even including the presidency. And he, essentially, that's what he did. He really talked his way into it. And, you know, I, I hope people out there realize, wow, I can talk my way into things. Um, and, you know, I can do better. Um, but you you got to speak your, speak your reality into existence. You got to fight for it. You know, he wanted to be president, and that's what he did. What do you want to do? Are you going to say it, or are you, you going to hurt your family's feelings that, you know, they don't want you to be that or you're going to hurt your friend's feelings because, you know, you had to ask for their help or whatever, or if you weren't who they wanted you to be, like, you got to stick up for yourself. Go get, go out there and get what you want because the world, it's amazing. The world, fate is kind. Like, you can get what you want if you really just sink your teeth into it, even if all the odds are against you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, mean, as a... As a musician now, I fight, I do the same thing. Yeah, you gotta ask for a gig. I'm amazed how many musicians in this town are afraid to just, hey, can I can I play here? No, and fuck you for asking. Well, okay, they can say that, but <laughs> you know you gotta be able to handle that, and then yeah. you gotta ask. Like, what are you gonna do? Just hide? So, I don't know. Yeah, or just wait on the sidelines, not getting in the game. Are, are we getting any comments about my crazy political ranting here when all my profanity? Oh, no, or... no. <laughs> maybe after the fact. Um, yeah, I did get a weird. This, uh, this like never happens to me. I don't know why it's popping up, but it's uh, putting a time limit on our Zoom thing. So in eight minutes, we might have to like log out and re-log back in. 
Uh, you know, because I don't have the subscription or whatever. Am I supposed to have that? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I don't either. But I feel like ninety-five percent of the time it doesn't do this, and for some reason, every once in a while, it's like you have to upgrade for this to continue. So, but we can just we'll log out and then re-sign in. <laughs> in, in, eight, in eight in eight minutes and seven minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No problem. So brief, well, like a brief timeout, but uh, we'll get right back to it. Yeah, we're kind of touching on it and talking about it, but um. Who were you in 2010, and who will you be in 2030? I guess who and where. Like, what were you up to? What were you like? What were you doing in 2010? And then kind of the same thing. Like, what are you doing in 2030? Mm, I love that question. <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, in 2010, you wouldn't you wouldn't have recognized me. Like, really? in high in high school, I was so shy. I was in high school in 20, 2010. Um. I, you know, I would totally go with whatever somebody told me to do. I didn't have any, I had some defiance with my parents, but like, I was so, like, I was a musician. I was basically like a theater geek, band geek, choir geek. Um, but I was so shy and not able to communicate and... I, I it's yeah man high school was was tough for me i was trying to get better at music but i almost didn't have the focus because i was so like i had so much angst for life hmm. um so i would say high school was fun i had a lot of great friends i fit in just fine but i i didn't know who i was i was very confused um and i wish i would have just said it's okay i'm a musician you know, I, I, so many people put me under pressure to go into business, get a business degree, go to college. And that's what I did. But, um, so I, I was not, I was not, I was not the proud musician in 2010 that I am today. I was like, I was almost a little ashamed of that I was into arts and not into sports. I've always been a huge NFL football fan. You know, yeah. my parents didn't let me play football because they were they were into the concussions even back in 2010. Yeah. Well, you know, there is some truth to that, though. You know. Well, they, and they it's, were probably as much right. as it's like it's like I, I agree and disagree with both sides, right? But it's like there is some truth to that. Like There's when you're 60, you're going to be glad you did. <laughs> right. When you're 30, you're that. like kind of oh man, I wish I played. And when you're 60, you're like man, I'm glad I didn't play. Right. It was, it was devastating as a, like a freshman in high school, but, yeah. um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I'm still a great football fan and I've got all my brain cells and yeah. <laughs> I'm doing better than a lot of the guys that were on the football team in high school. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I haven't talked to those. I haven't talked to those guys ever since high school, but so who knows, but, and then yeah, 2030, like, I don't know. I, I hope to take, I want to expand the It's the 2020s thing. Yeah. And not necessarily <laughs> as the name, It's the 2020s, but I want to amplify these pockets of our culture that are really cool. And I'm not really into, I'm not really a great videographer or filmer or anything, but I want, I'd like to be playing music and I'd also like to be archiving and sharing and amplifying all these little pockets of amazing culture that are underappreciated in the USA. Cause it gets so overshadowed by the big pop music industry, but yeah. there's, there's great music. So I, I would hope to be, you know, playing and touring more than ever before and 
um, also really making a difference by not exactly like bringing artists to light and making them famous, but just documenting and archiving pockets of culture and music in the USA and just, just so it isn't lost to history and that, um, you know, some of this amazing art can be remembered and not just swept away. Yeah. Not just saved in a file for later, but <laughs> continue. Yeah, it's on. almost like being a librarian. Like, okay, there was this band in this town. They had a huge following. They were really good. Obviously, they never had a hit song or they didn't get famous. But let's make sure that um, the local libraries and the universities and the communities that they were in and their heirs um, always have access to this art. Like art, art needs to be captured. It's so beautiful and profound. And because it's undervalued by society, so much of it is lost to, to history. I look at my own dad, fabulous banjo player, absolutely fabulous, unbelievable. Well, I've got one record of him with his band playing and he's really good. And I cherish the record and I love it, but it was never on the radio. You know, the leader never put it on Spotify the leader never put it on YouTube. So like, doesn't this music deserve to be at least archived or made available, even if it's not on Spotify or YouTube because of rights issues or whatever, shouldn't it be in universities or libraries or available on some public domain forum where you can say, what, what was the music that was going on in Toledo, Ohio in the seventies and eighties? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, it deserves to be, to be, recorded and made available and if there are recordings that aren't available in some kind of a public domain way um that that's a job that's a job that should be done that, this is the magic of america all this cultural diffusion uh, jazz happening live off the cuff i mean that goes that goes for all genres of music it's it's ethnic it's cultural it's local and it comes together in this magical beautiful way and you know maybe they play a few gigs and it falls apart but Somebody got that video. Let's get that thing on. Let's get that thing archived. Let's make sure it's available to the heirs and to to the people in that city. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's. I don't know how to even do this. I think you might be able to just click on the same link, but I'm gonna boot you and then just if you can just rejoin. Sounds good. Minute left. All right. Maybe. This is everyone getting a live view right now of me being boomer tech <laughs> okay there we go hopefully he can just rejoin or do i have to start a new meeting i have to start a whole new meeting oh man this is frustrating see usually how many other how many other guests have i had on this where i've done this exact thing all y'all out there and <laughs> this doesn't happen. I think one other time this has happened with my guests. They never want to see you win. They never, never want to see you win, you know? Homies can't win these days. Homies can't win these days. Now it won't even let me start a meeting. Boomer tech. Sorry, guys. We're going to get this going. Yeah? Here we go. 
never want to see a brother win, you know? Copy that link. Send me any comments or questions you have here live or wherever you're watching or listening to this later on. You know the deal. You know the drill. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for putting up with me. As always, thank you for putting up with me. We're still rocking and rolling. We still got a bunch of awesome topics on what we want to cover here with uh, it's at it's the 2020s, James. Let me send him this link. course now my internet wants to be slow tons of tons of problems here tons of problems but we're working it out here we go we're rocking we're rolling i think we're gonna be rolling here again thank you for putting up with me <laughs> thank y'all for putting up with me on a weekly basis i appreciate it we're gonna get them back in here. I got some fun topics and questions. Send some up. Send some if you have them in the chat. Comments, thoughts. All right, we back. We're rolling. <laughs> nice. All right. Sorry about that. I do oh, apologize no profusely to my uh, <laughs> to everyone out there being so boo. Oh, okay. I swear this is like never. This happened one other time, and uh, it hasn't happened since. Hmm. Um, so I gotta figure this out, or I'm not gonna buy it. So I gotta figure out the cheat code to not buy it and have this not be a problem. But uh, I'm not paying you Zoom. <laughs> I'm not paying you my hard-earned money. If you're yeah, I don't know. It, Maybe it's Skype would be better. I don't know. Usually Skype's much more like shoddy for me. Like it glitches and tweaks, and the audio goes in and out. And uh, people swear that it's the opposite. People usually tell me that they have better. They, it works better with Skype than it does with Zoom, but I don't know. I don't know. Trial and error, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, but I was going to ask you, you're kind of touching on it. You're kind of scratching at the surface there, but I did want to ask you, what is art? Well, it's a, it's a human's attempt to express the soul, you know, oh, which is, yeah. that's what it is. Um, and it's an attempt, you know, we can't, I, I, I'm very, um, spiritual myself. I believe in God and I think that our souls are beautiful and amazing and, um, they're a gift from God and things touch us that when something touches your heart, I think it touches your soul. And, uh, you know, when you go around and you gather experience in this world, Things that move you, that make you angry, sad, happy, any emotion, all that's kind of stored in in your soul. Okay. This is just my feeling. I don't have any scientific yeah. evidence of this whatsoever. But <laughs> for those, I think a lot of your listeners like probably believe that you have a soul. I, I believe you have a soul. And you know, art is when you try to with a picture or with spoken word, like on a podcast, or with a trade, like a carpenter or um a, a Woodworker, you know, uh, shoot, I can't think of the word. A blacksmith, um, uh, a musician, a cook, anything that you're trying to do that's meant to impact somebody emotionally, 
um, is is art. You know, even even these terrible um, media reporters are, you know, <laughs> they're doing some very they're being artistic because communication is an art form, um, but it's like tainted by it's not the purest expression of the soul because there's other interests in it too. Ideally, art should be you doing using your talent, your creative thing that you want to do, where you're actually creating like an idea, um, or and you're doing it the best you can with the pure intent of just putting that those feelings that are a part of your soul on paper. So I guess that's like the cheesiest answer you will ever hear, but that's that's wow, exactly that's that is exactly what art is. Yeah, it's a it's like a physical attempt at expressing the soul. Expressing the the spiritual, yeah, I like that. I love that. Yeah, or the spiritual, or some I'm sure might express, you know, some actual feeling of God that they have, or some actual feeling of, you know, the Holy Spirit that they have, or however however they think of it. Yeah. yeah I like to say it's a phrase I like. I've, it's not my own. It's a very common, like in a religious churchian term of like the good, true and beautiful. And yeah. I think art is that it's an attempt to like produce that, seek that and produce what's good, true and beautiful. Um, but then sometimes I get caught up because like even when someone just does some nonsense, like tapes a banana to a wall and calls it art, you know, people yeah. are so quick to be like, that's not art, you know, but it's like that is like you're talking about it. That is like a weird just because it's not your preference or something like you might not find it to be difficult. Like it is like causing you to have emotions and feel something like feel a, a reaction to it, which is kind of the point of it. It's almost like it's like the point of that art was to make you confused or to make you angry or to make you jealous or whatever. It's like it doesn't have to necessarily be like some beautiful painting that took like an artist, like a master years to perfect the skills and years to physically do it or carve something out of marble that's like beautiful um sometimes art really is just like nonsense <laughs> and it's like i think it's still good even though it is bad quote unquote i don't know sorry my rambling it is i think that like sense yeah <laughs> like there's that weird like there's that guy on shark tank that had like the cat t-shirt like draw my cat t-shirt and like yeah there's all this goofy millennial stuff and i think <clears throat> Art is the gateway to your soul. You know, it's not the gateway to the ego. One of my catchphrases, I, I had a friend back at home. He used to say, um, melody is the gateway to the soul. I thought that was so beautiful. And the way I, re I add to that is melody is the gateway to the soul. Um, a, an improvised solo is the gateway to the ego, but jazz is the gateway to the heart. And we, when you look at art, I think you, the legitimate way to ask that question of like, is this art is like, how much of this is weird, weird, weird ego, yeah. you know, projecting <laughs> itself yeah. and how much of this you can feel art. And if, you know, if it, if you feel more ego in it than art, it's still art. You have to honor the art part of it even though there's an ego component to it. Because I mean, there's ego in all art. To, it's almost totally impossible to completely eliminate the ego. But if you've got a 90% ego, 10% art thing, 
you know, it's it doesn't it doesn't feel as good to some. But there's all types of different mediums of art, and to some people that are kind of in that ego space, that art may bring them from 100% ego to only 90%. So I don't know. I, I for myself, when I'm looking at art, if I when I ask myself that question, it's am I feeling the like somebody's e weird ego egoic pull? That, and I try to look past it if I can. Yeah. That's a one thing I've always loved, and this is like kind of it almost like perfectly leading me into this is like I've always loved when you watch like those train cars drive by and there's like graffiti all over them. Yeah, and it's just a freight train just like going somewhere, hauling grain <laughs> from like yeah. Nebraska yeah. to Ohio, and someone somewhere one time like spent time and money and energy to paint their you know most of it's like kind of trash or like their little name in a, a cool funny way some of it's like breathtaking like you'll see some like like a simpsons cartoon that's like altered and egoed and super artistic that person like is anonymous like who did that you don't know who did that like they did it anonymously anonymously and they did it on something that like wasn't gonna be there it wasn't like they like made money on it it wasn't like they did it and they put a stamp on it and posted on their social media like, look at what I did. Like that ego was completely removed from that situation. Someone just like selflessly like made some like a piece of art and then it literally just like went out into the world somewhere random. Like they have no control over who's even like seeing it or like appreciating it. You know, that person could have been in like Seattle and then I'm seeing it in Nashville <laughs> and someone else is going to see it in New York, you know. That is like, I've always like really loved that concept and like exactly what you're talking about, like removing the ego from it. I think Banksy got kind of close with that. Like, I think that's kind of why people really liked Banksy was because it was kind of anonymous. It was kind of like, here's just art for the sake of art. And it's like a really powerful message. But then of course, like everyone knows the name Banksy and then eventually becomes famous and becomes rich and starts selling the paintings and whatnot. But I kind of just think that is a powerful thing of like anonymous art. Um, and like you said, like almost like stripping away that ego of it and just producing something beautiful and putting it out there for other people to enjoy, not for like your own selfish gain or your own selfish interest. Yeah, that's cool. I like, I really like that. Um, and you've got me thinking because, you know, people have a whole, a huge range of emotions and not, not all art has to be quote unquote beautiful. It's nice yeah. when it is. I think yeah. you could even go as far as to say art should be beautiful. But what makes it beautiful? It, it could be the expression of anger. It could be the expression of really negative emotion, hatred even, or sadness or loss or grief or whatever it is. It doesn't, and that's an, if that's an authentic emotion, I don't know, like the when you were first talking about that, what like my gut reaction to that was, um, you know, I, sometimes I see graffiti, not all the time, you see all kinds of different stuff, but I think a lot of times I, I really feel anger in it. And yeah. um, I don't know why, but like, there's something about that. You know, they're finding a way to say, hey, I'm here, I'm angry. Um, yeah. And I could be wrong about that. That's just a feeling I have, but <laughs> it's, it's powerful when you think about it. Like some guy and california you know did his graffiti and it's his name or whatever and it's it looks cool and it's awesome and you know he said what he had to say <laughs> <laughs> i don't know 
Yeah, there was this cool thing, and I if you go through my personal Instagram, I used to take so many pictures of this, but in San Diego, they have something called the Urban Art Trail, which was basically like, you know, gangs used to graffiti, like basically marking their territory, and okay. people would just be stupid and, you know, draw like penises or something, you know, just like stupid graffiti on like electrical boxes and power poles and, you know, just like walls, like abandoned building walls and stuff all over San Diego. And so for a while, they tried to fight it. Like the government tried to come in and like paint over it with just gray or, you know, put people in prison or fine them for doing the graffiti. And eventually what they realized, which was, in my opinion, like the correct solution, was they started paying actual artists to start painting over it. So now in San Diego, like it's called the Urban Art Trail, where all these electrical boxes and like blank walls and stuff, just like empty space on like poles and buildings and stuff. Like, they advocate and they promote artists to go paint. And it mostly is, like, graffiti artists. And sometimes it's just breathtaking. Like, really unbelievable, breathtaking works of art. Sometimes it's real simple. Like, just kind of some cool graffiti real quick. You know, sometimes it's kind of like a a theme. And, you know, certain artists will kind of do, like, themes on, like, a whole city block. Like, you know, one box to another. You know, make, like, a a city... a, A block long piece of art on, like, a bunch of different little places. But it's, like... They kind of turned something that used to be quote unquote bad and negative into something like extremely cool and powerful and like inspiring creativity. Um, so if you're ever in San Diego, just keep your eye out. It's called the Urban Art Trail. It's kind of like all over. They like advocate artists to turn just empty space into art, you know, and kind of took their hands off of like putting a stamp of approval and saying like, well, this is something we approve of. This is okay because we think it's beautiful. It's kind of like, Hey, you're an artist. Here's your box. You got it. Do whatever you want with it. Like we just trust that you're gonna do something cool with it, or something like that's unique to yourself. But I used to be obsessed with documenting it and taking cool pictures of it and stuff. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's really cool. But I like that. Like they kind of. It was almost like also to combat like the gang graffiti. You know, like let's turn this like quote unquote bad thing, um, this bad intention into something beautiful. Um, even though people it. might not think it's quote unquote beautiful, you know, um, yeah, that's cool. Well, that, yeah. And that's how you have to, that's how you have to make those changes and change people's perception is by like normalizing it or putting it, wrapping it up in a bow. And, yeah. and honestly, the artists deserve that. They deserve that recognition. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah I would go to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just everywhere. It's like, you just walk down the street and it's just, you know, instead of just like a green box that's like a utility box or something it's just like a breathtaking piece of art or i don't know i mean if there was like a class like learn how to learn how to paint graffiti art yeah you know <laughs> on the event right i would do it <laughs> well, there's a big thing too there and it's i kind of see it in nashville of like stickers so another thing is like you know most cities like if you put your sticker up on like a sign people are going to rip it down or paint over it or you know, you'll see people like, do not deface this property. Um, but so also, like, there, there's just this culture of, like, dude, just put your stickers up. Like, oh, this ba- the back of a stop sign? Like, why wouldn't you put, like, a cool sticker of yours up, up or something? And then, yeah, like, totally. people will rip them and stuff. And there's, like, a whole, like, thing of, like, even the people who try to, like, rip those stickers down or cover over them, people then will, like, go out of their way to put five more stickers up and cooler stickers or make a bigger design. So... There's kind of this like freedom, like free expression in San Diego of like art on the street, which is really okay. cool of like kind of what we're talking about, like anonymous. I mean, a lot of it's not like they do put their names there and they do kind of take credit for it. And you 
kind of learn who the artists are by the themes, like the common themes of like the different places. But there is still this like kind of just cool, like just slap a sticker up, bro. Like make this empty space something, you know, it could just be a blank wall. It could be like a rusted pipe or something. Now it's got like a funny dog sticker on it. Now it's got <laughs> like a, a, a brewery sticker on it or something, you know. And then, of course, I'd go around and put my stickers, my like little podcast channel stickers up and stuff, you know. Kind of playing into it and promoting at the same time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was That's cool. awesome, man. That was cool. Well, I was going to ask yeah. you, do, do, you read, do you read music? Like, can you read the music or do you just play I do. I do read music. Um, yeah. I'm not an official note reader like some of these great um, classical musicians are great readers. A lot of jazz musicians are great readers. I, you know, I never really had the discipline to become a great reader. For me, reading is more about digesting and taking in the vocabulary that I need to be the best jazz musician I can be. Um, you know, and jazz musicians that write in a lot of shorthand chord changes only kind of deal i understand that stuff really well um but you know you have to to really be a great jazz musician it's, it's hard if you do it only by ear because it makes it a lot slower and more painful to learn some of the voc vocabulary and by that i mean licks you know ideas that people play on their instrument that you like it's a lot easier to learn those ideas by reading them off the page and you know meticulously figuring it out by ear and some people are super gifted they they can do it completely only by ear and i know jazz musicians that cannot read a note um that is not me i think that being able to read notes has been really important for my development and still is um but i'm not the guy that you're going to hand like a complex piano score you know for and just say sight read this or if it's a piano transcription from some master sight read this that's that's not going to happen now if you told me to play the same song no problem i'm just going to play it my way so yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cool. yeah with your own flavor to it yeah 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 and you know i've got you got to be able to read okay you get in situations where you've got to you've got to read enough to fill in the part you know even if you don't play the exact notes you know, it is jazz after all, but that's kind of what's unique about the genre. You can, the, the lines aren't super defined. I've been in a lot of situations where I was supposed to read the chart and I, it happened too fast and we're live on the gig. I'm just going to listen and play. You know, that's the real key. You've got all the vocabulary and it's amazing. If you're really listening, you, you ought to be able to play. You ought to be able to be very, very close to the intention of the arranger. That's awesome. When, like, when did you start playing piano? Were you like one of those little kids that like your parents forced you to go to like an instructor or did you just kind of pick it up on your own? You know, I wish they tried and I wish I would have listened. When I was five, they sent me to lessons and I like banged yeah. on the keys and oh yeah. Rebelled against it. And <laughs> yeah. Rebelled against it. I hated it. And then they tried again at eight years old and I kind of did it. But then the same thing, I rebelled. It actually wasn't until I was, I played trumpet in high school, but I wasn't very good at it. I mean, I was good at it for being in high school, but actually there was a, I heard a jazz piece when I was in high school and it really moved, moved me. And I had to learn to play it. I had to learn to, I, I, there was nothing that was going to stop me from learning how to play it. 
So just that moment of inspiration, um, it made me dig into a really hard piece of music. And before I knew it, when I was in school, I was starting to learn to play piano, jazz piano by ear. Um, so I don't know. I think that way too much is made of lessons and fingers and it's all so stupid. Yeah. Like what's the, it's like the fastest way to get somebody to not want to play the piano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. If you want your kid to learn to play piano, take him to hear somebody play piano that knows how to play and then don't do anything. If they yeah. want to learn, they'll learn. And if they don't, they won't. I mean, it's so silly. It seems so obvious to me. I watched my dad play. You know, one of the things that inspired me when I was five, my dad can play the piano by ear really pretty well. And oh, he played I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys <laughs> for me and my sister. And he sang it and played it. And this is my dad. He's an insurance agent. Super great guy. You know, but a, like a, like the exact ideal hardworking father figure that you'd imagine. That, like always had his work shirt on, you know, was always trying to trying his best to be a good, um, you know, be a good provider. But then out of the blue, just sits down and plays I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys because it was on the radio <laughs> and my sister and I liked the Backstreet Boys or whatever because it was 98 or whatever year it was. And that's cool. I was like, I was just captivated by it. That's really cool. Yeah. That's what I... So, like, I mean, hot take here. I'm not a big Lady Gaga fan, right? Like, I don't really like sure. Lady Gaga music. <laughs> her right. or her music. But, like, you and just everyone out there, like, go look up, like, Lady Gaga playing, like, the piano and, like, playing, like, acapella singing her songs. It's unbelievable. Like, it's so crazy. Like, the paparazzi song, you know? It's like, mm. uh, I don't know if I could sit through that whole song. Like, you might not be able to pay me to listen to that song, like, the radio edit. But I'll like right. on repeat. I'll watch her play the piano. She's like amazing at it, and then singing that song, and just the power and the beauty of it is intense. <laughs> and there's no, something I about that, like, that. like you're saying, like taking that. a Backstreet Boys song is just like, yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not probably gonna listen to that song, but like, I actually kind of want. You know, I'm like, man, do you have any recordings of that? I kind of want to hear your dad play that. You know, I'm sure that's like actually really beautiful and really cool. It, no, there's no recordings of it. Like, I wish there were, but like, yeah, it's that exact. It's the, it's the, you're right. And a lot of these artists that you don't think are good, because pop music has like commercialized them and turned them into billionaires. Yeah, you know. But a lot of them actually have talent. They can they play yeah. instruments. Oh, what I found with the real super duper stars like that, like Lady Gaga, or um, there's many others. Taylor Swift is another good example. They have super amazing rhythm and time, you know, and just that amazing feel of time allows them to just lock in on the melody and like really, really carefully move through the emotions with their voice and the notes. And just, there's something about just that super sense of rhythm that just really comes out in singing. And, and like, you don't have to have very much technical skill. If you have super good time when you sing and play the piano, it sounds phenomenal, phenomenal. Like there's a magic to that. So I'd be really excited to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's like a weird thing of like um, crazy people who are just so good at art or so good at music, like Kanye. I say like Kanye yeah. is probably like the greatest producer of rap. Like. R&B rap, but he's like pretty crazy. 
and I love I love me Kanye like genuinely truly like I could sit here and ramble for like 50 minutes of like his early childhood like I've like looked up all this stuff about him and su such a big Kanye respecter but also like he's crazy <laughs> he like literally is just weird he's so weird and out there but his mind is so like unbelievably tuned in to just like making good music there's something about it like he's not even that good of a rapper or that good of a singer he just knows how to make music and another one you know i've never like, heard um, him described that way but that's probably the best way that you could describe him yeah. just like a musical genius <laughs> yeah like, another one is jack white i don't know if you're how familiar you are with him but it's like he's like really weird I mean, if you listen to, like, his interviews and stuff, he's, like, dyeing his hair blue these days. Like, he is kind of just, like, a weirdo, but he's unbelievable. Oh. Like, he writes the most unbelievable music, plays the most unbelievable, like, songs. He can, in the middle of his songs, remix it and then remix the remix <laughs> as he's doing a solo, as he's, like, dancing around. Like, he's this just unbelievable producer of art, but he's so weird. <laughs> he's so crazy and, like, out there, you know? And I think so, sometimes the best artists are that, like Lady Gaga, like, they just kind of are so unrelatable to a normal person, and that's almost like, I think, what kind of makes them be so creative and so breathtaking at times with their art, with their music. Sorry. Yeah, like, they're not afraid to let the freak flag fly. Yeah. And <laughs> tap into that inner creative spirit. Um you're right. You know, one thing, it's actually kind of annoying, like, and I hate it because I'm part of it too. I've realized over time, but like musicians, every single one is weird. I don't know a single musician <laughs> that like gets up as normal, you know, there's just like, there's very, very few. There, there are some, but there are, they are, yeah. they are few and far between. So. I, I, I like it that way. You know, I like my artists weird and, and a little bit crazy, if not like outright crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's the spice of life or whatever, right? Just be different. Yeah. Um, well, can, can you describe your music in one word or one sound? It's energetic. Yeah. Like I, I play with a lot of enthusiasm. I, I, what's what's really in my heart usually when I play is just total joy to be playing music. A lot of people play music that's really sad, and I do that too sometimes. But if you just had to describe one word, it would just be energetic. I just feel so so happy when I play music. Like, and I and and it almost doesn't matter. Even if you put me on a sad song, I just start feeling happy, and <laughs> you know, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like, as I've developed as a as an artist, like audiences just love the they they can feel the enthusiasm I put into my playing, and that's why that's why I get hired. That's why I've always gotten hired. It hasn't been because I'm perfect. It's been because I just feel it and I just love playing, and I just I want to give that joy to the audience. Yeah. I love that with keys. I really feel like you could feel souls with the keys. And you like, it blows my mind because, like, it, I don't think my mind doesn't comprehend how that's possible. Because <laughs> I view it as like a computer. Like, you push this key, it makes this sound. You push this key, it makes that sound. You know, almost like a, like a, like a, uh, a blanket on the word, but like a, a drum machine. 
<laughs> yeah. Where it's like you can't really like add any of like your own unique soul. It's the same beat. Like when you hit this, it's going to make this sound. When you hit this, it's going to make this sound. But there's something about like a jazz piano player like or someone playing like really riffing on jazz that is not that. <laughs> it's so undeniably not that. It's like this weird unique every key feels so real it doesn't sound like a plug and play kind of concept thing um that's a great observation stupid i'm really <laughs> impressed that you noticed that yeah. i mean it, it's one of the things that i'm really picky about I, I like to play on an acoustic piano everybody plays on keyboards now and it it really deprives the audience of that the piano's beautiful it it's like if you look at the inside of a piano all of those strings that soundboard all of the love that went into building that beautiful piece of equipment and you know most of the keyboards that try to reproduce that sound it's it's just lackluster man it's not even close to how good a real piano sounds or how a real piano feels you can you can put so much emotion into an acoustic instrument versus like a button like a drum machine or a keyboard i really believe that that's controversial yeah you'd be surprised but that's actually controversial <laughs> you got a lot of musicians in this town that are like keyboard all the way man so right. i don't uh, yeah and you literally physically carry your piano with you right a lot of times, yeah. You were telling me that. I was, like, blowing my mind. You were telling me about how you just, like, lift up your piano and just, like, wheel it into places and, like, play it. Yeah. When you learn how to move a piano, like, there, you, there's a reason that professional piano movers are, you know, get paid so much. I mean, they don't just pick it up. They're really smart in the way they move a piano. You can use the leverage of it. And it's not that big of a deal. I obviously prefer to have a guy with me that knows what he's doing. But, um, yeah, I, the, the goal is to always play at a place that has a piano so you don't have yeah. to do that but it's like <laughs> yeah. if you're really going to try to play some early jazz for an audience like you got to give them the real stuff you go through all that effort just so you get good at you just do, you learn to deal with it you find little pianos you find ways to move them you just do it it hurts your back you don't complain that's part you, you think you're becoming a piano mover kids if you think you're going to become a piano player you're, you're also becoming a piano mover because <laughs> You know, yeah. and that sucks. It's the worst part about it. <laughs> That's cool, though. That's pretty cool. The way you're explaining to me the first time we met, I was like, "What? Wait, what?" <laughs> that was also like blowing my mind. I was like, "That's possible? Like you just do that?" And you're just so nonchalantly like, "Yeah, you just like do this and you do that and you do." <laughs> it's like, wait. Yeah. Well, I showed you that video. Maybe your listeners want to see the video of that yeah. guy that <laughs> just picks up the piano with one finger or whatever. Like, you just got to use the leverage. It's yeah. that thing's so heavy. So the key is to just get it on its end, and then you can kind of do whatever you want with it. Yeah. So. And that's cool. I mean, like, and then yeah, like, so how many people would just be like, ah, that's too much effort, or like, ah, I don't really have the right car for that, or something, and just like, like you said, just buy a you know zenith <laughs> plug it yeah. into the wall and just you know take it put it in a little bag a little carrying bag and carry it from carry it from place to place um no yeah, i will awesome say that that those have their place like there's all this new weird jazz and i i heard some crazy tones coming out of some of these electric pianos that like gave me shivers because they sounded really cool um i i so i do think that they have their place it's not the music that i currently love or play although even i know that you know there's times that i have to play the keyboard and i just do it and i don't complain about it 
I mean, I do, I do in my head, but I try not to do it out loud. <laughs> but you know, there's times when it has its place. It has its place. Yeah. I think it should have fewer places, but it has at least one or two places. <laughs> yeah. Well, how? Because you play pretty often around town, right? And you're like just kind of living in, in clubs and going to gigs. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, yeah, the, the jazz scene in Nashville is really good. There's a lot of opportunities. I've been amazed by it. And the community's been really great. Um, and honestly, like any rank amateur on the street, if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to get into the jazz scene in Nashville and see what it's all about, like, or in any town, like I'd encourage you to do it. Like the whole point of jazz is to get people that are dancing and get them, you know, get the get the musicians to try to dance a little bit and get the people that are dancing and experience. You know, it's okay in jazz to try, just pick up an instrument and try to play it. Like people are so chill. I mean, I learned on the bandstand trying to play trumpet in high school with the jazz band my dad played in and a couple others. Um, and I really just, I was amazed at it. It's really just like you get up there and you learn the hard way. And yeah. people should go out and experience jazz like that. They should dance to it. They should ask if they can sit in. They should try to learn a song. Like, it's not, it's not meant to, well, anybody that tries to make it seem like it's this highly exclusive experience, they just don't get it. Yeah. This is, this is music by and for the people. Everybody used to have a piano in their house and they played jazz from the 20s. Practically until the year 2000, every kid in America took piano lessons. Like, that's the point. You, you, uh, that's part of the fun of being an American. You can try to play American music. And it's it's folksy. A lot of it's really easy. You know, just try to do it. Yeah. And nationalize that spirit completely. Yeah. Inclusive, great culture. Yeah, that is true about, like... Because from the outside, like, you walk into a club and it's, like, it's dark and people are dressed real hipster <laughs> yeah. like really nice and like suits and stuff and like everyone that is like a musician that's maybe like hopping up up off often on stage is real like quiet and shy maybe like emotional <laughs> and they're like really good you know like it's hard to right. not be like man these are this is like pretentious like i'm not cool enough to be here like i'm not good enough to be here but like every time i've actually like interacted with one of those people i'm like they're so down to earth and cool and like like you're saying, like encouraging, like just hop up there, man. Like there's a couple different places in San yep. Diego where like you you just bring your instrument. And you're just like, hey, can I get on next song? And they're like, yeah, hop on. You know, swap yeah. out with the, with the sax player. You know, and yeah. it's like that what you're saying. Like it actually is this really cool down to earth people, and people are really like having a fun time, like just jamming out, not taking things too seriously. But if you're just looking, like if you're just an outsider, you you come in the room for the first time and you look. You're like, man, everyone here is like really good and really pretentious and really like <laughs> yeah. dressed really nice, like really fancy. They're taking this way too seriously. But yeah, like, you know, I've never heard that. But it, I, it's not, I totally you know. see what you're saying. You're, and I think, yeah, somebody you knew that's just going to check out jazz for the first time, just know that this music is, it's like the artist, it's their whole heart and soul. They love it so much. Ask any, ask any jazz musician what jazz means to them. And you'll see, you'll see, you'll see a twinkle in their eye. It means a lot to them. And so that's why they take it seriously. And that's why they might feel bad if they play badly or feel good if they play good. Or, you know, it's all kind of funny. Um, 
So yeah, you just gotta go with knowing that like it's art, people take it seriously, but since it's so much fun and it's so inclusive, like that's all part of the gig. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for taking us out to the Americana Lounge. My boy Steven Ignoramus was in town because that place was groovy. That whole night was pretty fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a really, really fun night. I hope I hope he comes back soon. He's a great yeah. guy. He sounded great in the jam session. Yeah. Um, yeah, very talented, very cool, like authentically real, real a real human being, <laughs> a really real dude. Yeah, he's gonna come he back on my stream dude. sometime soon, and then yeah, hopefully he's back here in Nashville in person sometime soon as well. Yeah, yeah, we should do that again if he comes back or if you ever want to go, hear some jazz, I'd be happy yeah. to take you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got to get together again soon. But I'm so glad that um, we all met. That was such a fun night. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing yeah. the jazz, man, it's, it's something different, something yeah. cool. Yeah, it slaps differently in, like, live in person. Like I was saying, like, at a coffee shop. Like, there's just not, there's just some weird vibe where like if you're in a coffee shop you're sipping a little espresso or a little americano and you're just hearing like two people just jam out <laughs> and you're like you know next table over is like three people having a conversation the other table in the other direction's like some girl on her laptop you know we're talking about like man stuff <laughs> like politics and then in the background you just have these two dudes just like like you said earlier like just expressing their soul like kind of like without a care in the world and then just like playing beautiful music, putting it out there into the end of the ether, into the air. That was amazing. Yeah. And like, okay, so like, what's the point of art? Okay, so that's all deep, like, oh, I'm an artist, I'm expressing my soul, but so what's the point of that for me? Well, the point of it is just to find somebody that you like and, you know, experience a certain way that's going to improve your mood. You know, if music is beautiful or if it's something that you like, it'll make you happier to be around it. And um, it's, what's cool about Americana Lounge is that it doesn't get too loud in there. You know, they pick musicians that are really careful about the dynamics. So like, it's not, it doesn't have to, jazz doesn't have to be the experience like every other band, it seems like these days it's way too loud. There are some jazz ensembles, not all, but many of them get it. Like, it can be so tasteful. And so when it's quiet, it, it makes just a lush background. So yeah, and it, like it made our conversation more fun because the, yeah. the the mood of the room was so high. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, it elevated the conversation. Yeah. Um, but I gotta. Do you want to? I gotta do the meeting room thing again. I gotta boot you okay. and start a new room. Is that is that cool? That's fine. Yeah. So we're coming up. We got two minutes. Sorry. Do you, you want to do that now? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'll uh, start another another room. Sorry again about all this. Always trying to hold a brother down, you know? Always, always trying to hold a brother down. Can never let a brother win. <laughs> right on. Again, if anyone's here live, um, send any questions or comments you have. So this time we're going a little faster. That's good. As always, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for putting up with me <laughs> again. Um, 
Yeah. We're going to get into some fun stuff. Some fun topics. Not that that wasn't fun. Um, I always love talking to artists, man. Artists are always fun to talk to. Not only about like their stuff, their art, their work, but they just have like a beautiful alternate perspective than like a lot of um, like political minded people, you know? But that's what we're going to get into kind of, hopefully. Awesome. All right, we're back. Awesome. <laughs> we're, we're rocking awesome. and rolling again. Um, Give me a chance to grab a water, so that was good. Perfect. I don't know why yeah. I'm getting such a sort. I'm getting like horse talking. I must have a sore throat or something. Yeah, no worries. We have kind of kind of going to get into what we were kind of talking about that night at the Americana Lounge. Uh, yeah, I always and I always I'm ask people. There's some questions <laughs> I, I like to ask people, anyways. So like. What we were talking about is actually what I usually talk to people about. Um, and right. I love I love your interesting perspective, but uh, let's start off by just can you can you, or I guess just what is a man and what is a woman, to you? Oh gosh, I've never actually thought about that. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you have to be a biologist to know, apparently. Uh, but <laughs> just yeah, opinion, I mean, yeah. Here's the thing, like, I guess as an artist, I always look at everything scientifically, but I also look at, like, ideas and, like, our, our, our I guess that's the philosophical question is, like, are ideas real? Should ideas, even if they don't have any physical evidence, should they be honored as ideas? So, yeah. I think, uh, what is a man, what is a woman? I think that god the holy spirit is you know one man and woman combined so i think a man and a woman is they're they're genders but they're like archetypal representations of masculine and feminine so i think that that men are um I don't know. I think they, I, I actually don't have a great, uh, considering all of my spiritual beliefs, <laughs> I actually have not thought about this question enough to give you a really great answer. Because it, it's a question that obviously has been in society and in the culture a lot. I'm not going to just blast there's only two genders because I think it merits more discussion than that. I really do. I would lean closer to there's only two genders probably but it, it just, it deserves, it deserves discussion. But I, it's, I, it's honestly not something that I'm prepared. I don't totally understand it to tell you the truth. I think, I think it's, I think we've got a mysterious issue. <laughs> yeah. That is, I mean, that is true. Like, cause if you're more like in that artistic mind of like interpretation matters or like imagination matters, then like yeah. how could you define something based on like something physical, right? Like if yeah. I say unicorns exist and I can like paint you a picture of one and I can talk about it and you kind of know what I'm talking about, like a horse with a horn on its head. Like unicorns don't exist, but like do they? Like you know what I'm talking about. I'm painting one. I'm like explaining what it is. Like my imagination has just kind of created something in reality, even though like fact unicorns don't exist. <laughs> So that's kind exactly. of like a weird thing of like what is existence, you know, like a lot of the different German philosophers kind of debated this, you know, it's like, is your, is what, is a thought 
like good enough for existence or does existence have to be like tangible and physical um yeah i think exactly that's how i feel about it i can't i I can't separate my artist self from my political self because unfortunately they're kind of the same thing i (laughs) i think that scientifically there's two genders i think that people are gonna you know feel a a masculine polarity if they're a man or they could feel feminine polarity if they're a man and they you know might want to identify as a woman i see that as it's an idea that you know that you can honor if you want to i think that people definitely need to be tough and you got to deal with that science runs the game here on planet earth but I don't know if somebody, if somebody, I, I would definitely honor somebody that had a, a gender change operation. I definitely honor it. Um, and we were talking about this. Um, should men be going their own way? Um, should they be going their own way? <laughs> Only if they want to. Yeah. That's. What, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying about this for the listeners at home. For all you podcasters out there, I, I, I really am more of like a men going their own way, big child kind of a man. I don't think that you have to get married if you don't want to. I think that society has really kind of corrupted the minds of men and women. There's so much access to sex on television, you know, your iPhone your iPad, your laptop, and like everybody's just been completely corrupted and it's disgusting. And if you really just think it's as simple as I'm going to get married, it's not that simple anymore because temptation is one second away, one nanosecond away for everybody on planet Earth that has a phone. So I don't know. Like when I was a kid, I always wanted to really get married and I dreamed of, you know, having a soulmate and falling in love and, you know, like taking friends and all that. And it's still in the back of my mind somewhere. But I think that um, I think that that if you don't want to get married, I don't think that you're destroying society. I don't have like that Jordan Peterson view that like you have to get married. You have to control the woman. You have to have kids like, no, I don't think, I don't think you have to do that. You have to, it's the 2020s, man. Things are so different. Like, (laughs) I I, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to have a relationship with somebody that you're in love with and have sex with them. I don't think that that's wrong. And so I think that if you would rather have a relationship than get married, I mean, look at what the government has done to destroy this beautiful idea of marriage. Marriage is like the most beautiful, wonderful, holy thing you could even think of. Look how it's been trampled on with all of these laws, rules, and regulations that make it so weird. Why would you ever want to, why would you ever want to do it? I mean, it's restricting to men and women, even even if it is a perfect marriage. Look at how much the government benefits off of your love, your undying love, you know? And they try to make it seem like the government or like you, the person has all these advantages because you're married, but 
your rights and your responsibilities under the law change a lot. So if you don't want to get married because the government is so invasive and because the culture of sex has gotten so, it's been so mishandled by everybody, the government, the church, the common man, you know, it has just been totally destroyed. Like people are, people are confused and they're lost. Um, and I think it's, it's a, I think it's a gamble to get married now. I don't think it used to be as much of a gamble. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's a roll of the dice. And I think that we're, there used to be a lot of dignity in getting married. People don't even give you that dignity. They don't even care if you get married. So, um, to me, the point is make sure, make your, make your relationships, um, holy if you can um make sure there's a spiritual connection make sure there's a true connection i i don't think that people should be out there um and i do consider myself to be to be a christian by the way for anybody out there that's wondering i consider myself to be a christian prove it you know, <laughs> i i can prove it a million you don't have to I prove got, it by reciting <laughs> this and yeah this you want me this. to say the words for it? i got i got five bibles on my bookshelf i'll show you, you prove it see them all get your <laughs> so but man that would really be something i can't believe anybody would say that they identify as a christian and that wouldn't be i mean i think what a lot of people don't get is being a christian is really simple for me faith is really simple um, I confess my sins to Jesus on a regular basis. Does that make me a Christian? Does there need to be anything more to it than that? I think that that's pretty much it. Um, so now there's a lot, I, I do a lot more of that that goes with Christianity too, but, and we've talked about this. There's weird problems in the Christian culture. That's why, I mean, a lot of my friends that are way more devout Christians than me, stop going to church and they're the most churchy people like they're churchy 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 and i i know that you know i i there's nothing wrong with being churchy i've been churchy in my life i went through a churchy phase but it's not who i am right now um i you know i've definitely had a lot of inner inner dialogue a lot of philosophical questions that i've asked myself as a as a young man in this strange age i've had all of the dilemmas that everybody has, um, but you know, I and I work very hard on that. You know, one of the things that I've done to get to this point, I ask a lot of questions to the divine, to God, about what is right and wrong as far as love and sex. And I don't know. I get in my prayers and my meditations, I get answers back that would probably be considered more like liberal to as far as like tr Christians and churches go. But when I truly, truly pray on it. I don't, I don't get the marriage only back and maybe you do in, in, in your person. I, I think that a lot of, a lot of our ideas of marriage have been put into us by society, have been put into us by churches for the wrong reasons. Um, I mean, what is marriage really? It's a commitment. It's it's a it's a divine and holy commitment to another person to be their life partner. Yep. Period. So if I found the right person that was my life partner that I had a very deep spiritual connection with, 
you know, I'd get a church wedding. Absolutely. And it's possible I'd get regular married too, by the way. I never say never. But at this stage, <laughs> yeah. I never say never. But at this stage in my life, being who I am in this crazy world, knowing what I want to accomplish, my goals are like that of an artist, not that of a, of, of a provider. Um, I, and, and, I, and by the way, I value what I do as an artist. I don't think you have to um, pay a ton of taxes. I don't think, I mean, you should definitely pay according to the law, your taxes, but I don't think that you have to, you know, work a regular job. <laughs> right, right. I, what I'm trying to say is, I don't think you have to be a part of the socially conditioned narrative of I have a job and a family and I, you know, I follow all these rules all the time. You know, you know, there's a lot of ways that somebody can contribute. My 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 contribution to the world when I die will probably be mostly through my art. You know, yeah. I'm okay with that. And like, I don't know. I'm sure you've got questions for me at this point. I mean, I probably don't have anybody. Yeah, we disagree on some stuff. We're not going to turn this into a debate, but I like that premise you like of government marriage because to me like marriage is marriage is a vow between and you, you were even saying this like it's a it's a man and a woman committing to each other they're making an oath they're making a pact like it's a spiritual bonding of two souls together for life like till death do you part. absolutely and absolutely. the fact that like the government gives you a piece of paper that says you're now married like okay like i'll go through those motions we can do you can get the tax breaks or whatever but like government has like totally corrupted and inverted and watered down what marriage actually is you know and that's oh, yeah. a big reason why MGTOW is a thing and is becoming more and more prevalent is because of like the unfairness of all the laws and all of the legality involved in a marriage like two people get right. married one person decides they don't want to be anymore and so they use all the laws to screw over the other person you know run away with their wealth or whatever you know insert corrupt <laughs> reality of that here but it's like that's not actually marriage that's just like these weird government contracts that people are reneging on and taking advantage of loopholes and getting like yeah. manipulating and cheating the other person i like marriage like that word that concept is an oath it's a vow it's like a it's a vow it's loyalty like vow. which is something I, you know it's one of my pillars it's like what i like to talk about like and that's a big thing that's lacking in our society is like people holding true to their oaths and fulfilling their contracts. And like, if you right. promise someone to do something like you do it. And that's kind of like what has made Western civilization so great over the years is that is like, if I make a vow, I'm going to carry it out. I'm going to fulfill my contract. I'm going to fulfill my oaths. And now it's like, I feel like a lot of the breakdown of our quote unquote civilization or society that we're seeing is just that, like people just being like, "Yeah, I don't feel like it anymore, so I'm not gonna do that." Eh, it would save me money if I just like broke this contract right now, so I'm gonna find a loophole and get out of it. Uh, you can sue me, but you know, you could sue me and get and you know, we would both kind of get hurt, but you'd get hurt too. So it'd be better for you to just like walk away from this contract too that I now don't want to uphold anymore. And that mentality of like not actually thinking that these things matter these like relationships between people these pledges these oaths these vows we make between people is really causing like a bigger picture breakdown of like our whole civilization and i think migtow like there is like there's truth to it there's right like there's 
reasons why people are doing this. Like smart, intelligent, capable people are doing that. And it's like, I get that and I sympathize with it because like that, because people are becoming so um, flippant, I guess, or so relaxed with their contracts and with their oaths. Like people are making vows of marriage and then 10 years later deciding like, you know what? Nah. (laughs) And then one person gets screwed or both people get screwed over, you know, like it really is a problem. And so for me, like marriage isn't actually really about that. That's just like these weird government contracts and stuff that happens. Really, to me, right. marriage is like two people making an actual soul to soul vow to one another to like be there and be fighting with and alongside each other forever. Um, right. But it's hard to like explain that or talk about that. But that difference of like the law versus like spiritual reality. <laughs> like well, exactly. Reality. And you know what? What, what the problem with it is that it comes down to money, you know, to just kind of go there. But men are under a lot of pressure to provide, you know, it's hard to provide. And if you're going to commit as a man to providing for kids, it'd break my heart if I, if I had a kid and I couldn't give them the life that they wanted because of the path that I chose. If you don't, I think. If you don't want kids, don't have them. Social pressure is not a good enough reason, and church pressure is not a good enough reason. I, I know, and I know people that are having kids because they feel pressure by the church to have kids. And guess what? I don't think that's a good enough reason. If there's not something deep within you that wants to have the child, that wants to make that commitment, if that's not like spoken into you, and it's not something that you really, really, truly feel. I would say don't let anybody make you do it. I, I really think that. I mean, there are so many ways to contribute to the world. So there, that's probably something that you have a counter view on, or maybe you don't, I don't know. I mean, yes and no, because like, I mean, even biblically, like some people are called to marriage. Like Adam and Eve were created to make a union and God told them the first commandment was be fruitful and multiply. Like, that's pretty powerful. That that seems important, right? If the first thing that God does is create a man and a woman and then tells them, like, you're going to be bound together forever, and the first task I have for you is to have children. <laughs> seems important. Seems like God wants us to do that. But also, like, Jesus wasn't married. Jesus didn't have children. Paul wasn't married. Paul didn't have children. You know, John of Patmos was not married, did not have children. Like, three of the most significant authors, I mean, of the New Testament and like so crucial to our understanding and our current relationship and the New Testament, the current, the current, the writings that we now use to actually connect us to God, (laughs) to tap into God's logos, were three people that God specifically designed not to be married and not to have children. So like, obviously like there is some people that are called to marriage and they're called to have children, and some people that are not, because actually that would probably get in the way. Like God actually probably has a mission and a purpose for them, where if they had a wife or if they had children with that wife, it would hold them back. It wouldn't give them the freedom to go accomplish the goals and the tasks that like God has for them. But I think most people like are. I think most people are, and that's why you see that. Like what's the percentage breakdown? I don't know. (laughs) Is it like 98? But just the fact that we're here is that. I mean, you're, that your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and their like all of those people in a chain of succession all 
they might not have got married, but they made a union and at least they had kids together, you know? So I'd say like most people do that and most people are called to do that, but definitely not everyone. And I don't think it's 1%. I think there's a good amount of people that are just for whatever reason, God has other plans for them. That is not settle down with a woman and <laughs> have children, have a bunch of children. Um, so like, I agree with you on that. Like, I just think like, if you're not called to it, like you shouldn't be pressured into it. Your church, your community, like should not be pressuring you into doing something that like God does not intend for you to do, you know? If God's not opening us a door for you and people are saying, go through that door anyways, like what are you, at the end of the day, what are you gonna pick? Are you gonna try to force your way through that door because of social pressure? Or are you gonna like trust God and be like, you know what, I'm supposed to be going through this other door over here on the other side of the building. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's my hard, my hard hitting question. It's like, do you believe that people are getting pressured to get married and have kids by the church? And sometimes they are only because of that. And is that yeah. good? No, I mean, that, no, I mean, my, yeah, my take would be whatever God wants for you is what's good, you know? And if you're seeking selfishly to do what you want to do, even though clearly God does not want you to do that, you know, like, I don't know, like, like Paul might have wanted to like have a wife and <laughs> have a family and have a legacy and, you know, be rich and successful and, you know, but God had other plans for him, like radically different plans for him. And Paul answered that call, you know? You probably could have fought yeah. against it and suffered miserably. <laughs> and I think a lot of people do that. Like maybe they, maybe God does need them to be single for some reason. And instead they selfishly for their own reason or to appease others, they like settle down with someone they're not supposed to be with and they have children. And like, that's going to cause problems. That's going to cause mistakes or the flip side. Like, you know, someone who is supposed to marry someone and have children and be a good father and like you know raise raise children and make them good people and put them out into the world to be great people you know like being a disciple maker of the those disciples um what if he just like instead selfishly wants to be rich and famous and he goes and does he's single and he just is goes and does some career path to make a bunch of money and be rich and famous like that's going to cause problems for him that's going to cause him pain and suffering because Either way, what you're doing is you're rejecting God's plan for you and you're doing what you think is best, what you want. Um, and yeah, I just think people are genuinely called for different things. I mean, there's people that get married, they love their, their person, they make get a marriage vow. Oops, I can't have kids. One of us is infertile. You know, I mean, no. I think that's very clearly like God closing a door for you. Maybe it's a maybe it's a different door of adoption or you becoming a foster parent or something like that. Um, but that's... Like, undoubtedly, like, yeah, you two maybe needed to get married, but God did not want you to have children of your own, at least, you know? Yeah. And for at the end of the day, like, you have to trust that God's plan is the correct plan. Like, you have to trust and know and walk through the door that God has open for you and not just continue to go against that and seek for your own, for your own self, you know? Well, you know, I think that God definitely does have plans for us, definitely. But I think that free will is a component. I think we're loved yeah, deeply by, yeah, yeah. I think that we're loved deeply by God. And I think God leaves some room for free, for the free will of the spirit. Um, and God can call us to things, but we can call ourselves to, to causes and people and things that we think are important. It doesn't have to be making a bunch of money. Yeah. It could be a, a lot of different reasons. Or it could be. Like, well, but what I'm saying is, 
you know, you know, we're, we're, we're all souls. We were all created lovingly by God. And we're all here on this crazy planet. And, you know, because we all have some of that God within us, if we feel called to do something from ourselves, not from God, but from within ourselves, um, I, I think that that can be honored. I think that there's divinity with all of us. There's, we're, and we're, we're capable of making plans ourselves that, that, that can serve the world. We're capable of it. God, God is, probably has plans for everybody too. But, you know, we all develop and we grow in different ways. We go on different paths. And I'm sure that there have been many people whose lives took different directions that than what God planned that, that it turned out in a very beautiful way just because of somebody's own free will because they wanted to do, to do something, something good. So I, I would say I honor the divinity in all of us. And that's, I guess that's, that might be a concept. I don't get, think it gets enough attention in Christianity, but um, we, we all have a piece of that, that, that divinity within us. I believe that. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's culturally people don't like that. Right. But that's so they true. Don't. It's like biblically true. I mean, all the evil that happens, God allows that evil to happen to bring about something good in the end. Right. So like the, the story of Joseph where like his brothers like sell him into slavery in Egypt, you know, and his life gets horrible and all this bad stuff happens, but eventually this and this and this happen, which leads to an amazing end result. You know, and it's like the whole thing was like God's plan. Even though those people actually did have free will to do it, God kind of used all this free will happening, these people's free choices, and he used like their evil intentions to in the end bring about something good. You know, the same thing with Jesus. Like Satan was allowed to inflict how much pain on Jesus and torture him and humiliate him and literally kill him and crucify him. And like all of that happened to bring about something great, which was like the resurrection, which was like the atonement for our sins, which was like the ability for us now to inwardly connect to him spiritually. So like all that evil was like allowed to happen and people's free will was like involved in that. Like all these people at that time, like made these decisions on their own and God used that evil and used that evil intention and used all of their like selfish desires and wishes and intents to bring about like the greatest thing ever, right? <laughs> it's like I totally yeah. agree but it's just like and I, I, I agree with you too like that like Christians it's like people don't want that people don't want to believe that like God would just allow evil to happen but like look around you you know <laughs> look around at all the evil stuff happening like there's actually some comfort and some reassurance in the fact that like there's a meaning and purpose to all this and that in the end it's going to be good even though temporarily it might not be it might not be what you want or what's good for you or it might be painful or discomfortable or whatever. Um, which yeah. we're kind of talking about, actually, a lot of these questions lined up for you. One of the questions I had for you was, um, how, how much control do you have over your life? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I think we have some control, but yeah. it's not 100%. Much of what happens to us is divinely planned there's no question about that how what is the percentage i don't know i really don't know is it 10 percent free will it feels like it's got to be it's got to be a percentage yeah. it's 
Yeah. You know, so I'm with you on that. Now here, okay, I've got a, I've got a counter question. Do you think that, I mean, let's just, let's, let's just take me out of it, but let's just say there's some artist out there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And they make really wholesome, wonderful, beautiful art that, that absolutely enriches the world in a godly and, or even a Christian specifically way. Okay. They're making stained glass or whatever. They're doing something really cool, but they're called to have kids, but they don't want to have kids. And so they go out and they make even more stained, beautiful glass. And it goes in a bunch of churches and it, it's around the world. And it, and it really increases the love energy of the planet. Um, is that, is that wrong? I mean, I don't, I'm not the right, I'm not the person that has the right to say if it's wrong or right, right? Like, I don't, I don't have that authority to make that judgment. Well, it's just a hypothetical question. Uh, you can say it hypothetically. Right, but like, I just think again, like, no matter what, like, if you're rejecting your true call, like if you, if the Holy Spirit really is like telling you like, here's this woman, clearly like you are supposed to be with her clearly you guys are supposed to have children and have a little homestead and you know <laughs> have some children and carry on your family name like if if the holy spirit is truly just authentically pulling you in that direction but like your mind your thoughts your selfish like ego is pulling you out for whatever selfish reason because well, what if it's you, your soul what if it's not your ego what if it's your own divine will to pursue a divine alternative? Well, right. And then, and then I, so that's a, basically like, are you rejecting the calling of the Holy Spirit? Like if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, are you opposing that? If the Holy Spirit's pulling you in some way, are you going in the other direction? I think it's yeah, I mean, how, how long and is chaos that? and suffering. And it might even in the end lead you to like damnation. If you just keep continuing on to that without any like kind of repentance or turning away from it. But like in that scenario, I I like, so. but so in that scenario, like, I mean, you could either way, like that person, if he goes on to make all this amazing art, if that's something that's bringing God glory, if that's something that's helping God bring, build his kingdom and like it does just everything feels so right then that was what that person was called to do. God was calling that person for a life of singleness to make something good, true, and beautiful and put it out in the world. And be... it, Do you think it's possible that they have a choice and that it isn't one way or the other, that they could be called to have kids, but they actually have a choice? Like there's like an, there's an out in the contract, like in case you really want to do this, like maybe that would be okay. Sure. I mean, I don't, I just think everything, you know, everything's just so different and situational and like, I don't know. It's hard to make like a hypothetical because in the end of the day, like, it, I think it just really comes down to like, are you rejecting God or are you like, are you rebelling against God and his plan for you and his intentions for you and the path he has like for you? Making it or so are you much following like that? And I think some people, if you're just truly following that, some people like are going to be led to a direction, like to make beautiful stained glass for churches. And some people are going to be led in any other different way to have a family or not, you know, or to be married or not. Like, I just think at the end of the day, it really just comes down to like each individual person has to 
accept and trust the spirit and like the way it's convicting you and the way it's leading you. And I think if you're just rebelling against that, that's what ends up causing you pain and suffering and potentially eternal damnation. And I just think people are called to do different things. Like that in that scenario, that guy, like his mind might be telling him and his people, like his peers and his community might be telling him like, oh, just marry Tina and have kids, dude. It's so obvious. It's so clear. Like that's what God wants you to do. But if that guy, like literally if the Holy Spirit inside of him is pulling him to not do that and to go make stained glass, then that was the right choice. You know, so I don't think like the end result necessarily matters. It's really just like, for you, are you following the spirit or are you rebelling against it? And I think when you rebel against it, that's just what causes problems. And again, like if that person was, if God would actually wanted that person to make stained glass, he needed a stained glass maker, you know? <laughs> there's a there's an emptiness in the market. There's a void in the market. There's a lack of supply in the market. And God is trying to fill that, you know, the invisible hand of God is trying to fill that that demand with that supply of that man's beautiful stained glass. And he instead is like, you know what? I want to have children. I don't want to do that. That's stupid. <laughs> what I want to do is have kids because I selfishly want to carry on my family name. Then that would be him rebelling against the Holy Spirit, you know? So I think like the situation almost doesn't really matter and the outcome almost doesn't really matter. It's really just in that moment for each individual person, like, are you in rebellion against God or are you like answering his call and following and going where the Spirit is leading you? Um, and I just think it can take any one of us in any different directions. Um, yeah. So that's my take. Well, I, I appreciate your point of view on that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a little bit black and white. It's a little bit black and white for my taste. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, is it really that black and white? Are you automatically doing with the Holy Spirit or rebelling automatically? I mean, I don't know. I like, I like to think that, I like to think that the divinity of our own individual souls and our, our good intentions are are noticed by God for sure. If they're good, if they're not good intentions, you know, I don't think that God's going to honor our bad intentions or our intentions that aren't totally divine or pure. But I think that there's some free will for people that want to do good in another way. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's undeniable that there is free will involved in our lives. And there's also like a predetermined destiny involved in our lives. And I, like you were saying earlier, like, I don't know what the percentage is. I can't explain it. I can't write a thesis on this. I just like, when I read the Bible, when I live my life, when I pray, like, it's so clear to me that like, we do have free will and we also do oh, yeah. at the same time. I don't know how to explain it and I don't need to. <laughs> I don't, think, I don't know it's true, you know. So you think that, do you think that everybody only has one destiny? I mean, yeah. Like, I've, like you're going to be, you're destined to go somewhere, right? <laughs> like, it has to happen, right? I don't think you could look Okay, well, I mean, eventually like, you're going to die, and what will happen will happen when you die. But Well, like, your life as... is going to start, and it's going to finish, and it's going to be like an, a linear projection of different chaotic random events from that start into that finish. But like there's yeah. a destiny, like there's a pre-written destiny for you. It's also like, I do think it's like genuinely this weird conflicting, doesn't really make logical sense to our fallen flawed human brains of like how we actually also do have free will. Like you can also like, I don't know yeah. if you could change the, the ultimate destiny that is like on and in and for your life. But like 
you can change the route, you know? If it's point A and point B, it might not be a straight line. You might be able to alter it and make it a zigzag, but you're still going to end up at point B somehow in some way. Um, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. I, that's a question I do not know the answer to. Yeah. I absolutely I don't, don't know. I don't think anyone does. I think if someone does say they do know, <laughs> I think you might not want to trust that person, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anybody that says like they've got it all figured out, and you know that's just it, and that's why podcasts like this are fun because it's fun to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, we got. Um, do you want to do the the exit enter one more time? So we can sure. Again. <laughs> um, start a new little chat room here. Again. Got to figure this out. I'm not paying Skype. <laughs> <laughs> I am not giving Skype my money, but I will figure out the cheat code to not do this in the future. Because this is annoying. Because this is annoying. But thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for putting up with me. So clearly we have a difference of opinion, you know, with, with some stuff, but who doesn't? Who agrees on everything is the real... Like, if everyone agreed on everything, life wouldn't be beautiful, right? So, you know, it's called we do a little bit, bit of disagreeing. It's called we do a little bit of, we do a little bit of disagreeing in real life and on the podcast. And I'm totally fine disagreeing with people. As long as it's coming from a good place and a healthy heart, you know, a genuine curiosity from someone that seems to be genuinely seeking the truth, you know, who cares if you disagree in the moment? I think I invited it. It's called, we do a little disagreeing. might just do a little bit of disagreeing tonight, y'all. Oh no. He said invalid ID. Are we busted? Are we busted? Did we get busted? Let me start a new new room. I am I will make that we were talking about vows and oaths being important. I will make a vow right here live on my stream in the middle of this podcast. I vow to never give Zoom my money. We will figure out. <laughs> we will figure out how to cheat this system. And I vow, I promise before all of you in God right now that I will not be giving Zoom my money. We will figure this out. And it will not be figured out by me Typing in my credit card information to Zoom. <laughs> bet. Bet. Take that to the bank. Let's see if this works. Might have to end it. Right now, if this doesn't work, might be the end of it. I had some awesome questions. Good conversation so far. A man of the arts. I love talking to men of the arts, you know. Yeah, we're going to disagree because men disagree. And we don't get emotional about it. We don't get silly about it, right? 
We don't hate each other over it. We don't end friendships. We don't end the podcast over it, right? We do. It's called we do a little disagreeing, and we move on. We respect each other's difference of opinions, right? And not on my podcast live when I'm interviewing them. Nah, I'm gonna, I can start evangelizing, right, and preaching. <laughs> All right, we got it. All right, I think we're back in business. Right on. Perfect. Working again. Good. Yeah, I made a, I made it. Speaking of vows and oaths, I made a, a vow and an oath while we were trying to work that out that I will never give Zoom my money. So, <laughs> and I'm gonna stick to that oath. Um, but I was gonna ask you, um, do you think we're living in the best of times or the worst of times? The best of times, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I think the world has gotten better and better. Really? And... Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I really think oh, yeah. th I really think that. Now I think that politically we're in some trouble. And the USA, you know, the world, we've definitely got our big, big issues. I'm not saying we're living in heaven on earth. Um, but I think that people have had it better than they've ever had it as far as work to reward ratio you know, myself included. Um, I think it's a great time to to do almost anything, anything you want to do. So I think, um, I don't know. I think that, I think it's God's intention that the earth continue to improve. I could be wrong about that. Um, in a slow way, I think that I think that humanity has become more loving, more compassionate. Um, people have more opportunities. They have more access to food and water. There's less war. I mean, statistically speaking, we're at we're in war right now. But statistically, there's far less death from war and so forth than there was like really ever in history. So. I don't know. Provided we don't go into nuclear war, I think that we live in good times. <laughs> yeah. Right on. I think that it's not, is it a great time for the current Christian outlook of the United States? No. I don't think it's a very good time Christian outlook for the United States right now. But that's a different question. Yeah. Yeah, no, just in general, are these times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're all are about these... the 2020s, so I, like, I kind of assume that you would say the, <laughs> the best I think of it's times, great. Yeah. We got the 2020s, we got new music, <laughs> we got cultural shifts happening that are fun for art. So to me, it's a great time to be alive, but that's my perspective. I like it. I like the positivity and the hopefulness, yeah. A lot of people are getting wrapped up in the despair and the anger and the fear, you know. Yeah, I, I try to keep it light and keep it upbeat. I just try to take care of my own little corner of the world. Yeah. Um, I try to be tend to your in own my garden. own. Yeah, and in my in my own way, I try to be a good person. I try to be I try to be nice to the people I talk to. I know that I have some blunt characteristics or whatever, but I do try. I really try to just you know tend my own garden. Um, the, uh, the, I'm a very spiritual person. I, I'm a Christian, and I am happy waking up every day knowing all of these spiritual truths that we've been blessed blessed with. 
we have like amazing access to information of divine realms like it's really it's quite amazing that we can know so much and we can learn so much on this planet so yeah love that yeah ignoramus is in the chat he says yo james park in the house what's up gents what's up man how you doing <laughs> Um, Wait, I didn't get any hateful comments during all my ranting. That's pretty cool. Or maybe no. I did. You got someone said that's that's an over oversimplification. Okay. When, when you that. said uh, when you claimed like um, I think it was in response to when you said that like Christianity is just um, confessing your sins to Jesus. I think he was well, saying let that's, me such a, that. that's such an let oversimplification. That. That's the only hate being... you've gotten so far. Well, that, that is, it is an oversimplification, but that's deliberate. It's not that it actually has no other angles to it, but like at the end of the day, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you confess your sins on a regular basis and you work things out with God, you, you are a Christian. Um, I believe that like, if you, if you can't go to, if you're a prisoner of war and you're trapped and you know, all you have, you don't have any scripture, you don't have anything. All you have is your knowledge of Jesus. That's what's so cool about Christianity. I wonder if Christians really get into how cool this is. Like we came, we, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we wiped the slate clean with, you know, the, the older books and basically said, look, you can do it all just by knowing Jesus. You don't have to be able to read or write. You don't have to have any clothes. You don't have to have any shoes. You don't have to be able to talk. You can be completely destitute. You can be totally impoverished. You can be the worst sinner ever. You can barely, you can barely comprehend anything. You're so stupid. That's okay. Like it is, it is as simple as the relationship with Jesus. So yeah, when I said that so shortly, that was very, very <laughs> simplified. But what I'm really trying well, yeah. to say is Christianity is so cool because it, it has made it so simple. And yeah. and you can you can be a Christian with very little knowledge and 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 change your life. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I, who, who can debate with that? I mean, that is the straight truth. What I think. And yeah, I, I agree. Because <laughs> like whenever we talk about the gospel or we talk about Jesus, it is by default an oversimplification of it. Like, have you read the Bible? It's very long. It's very complex. There's a lot there. <laughs> There's so when a we lot. talk about, when we preach the gospel, when we talk about the gospel, by default, yes, I am oversimplifying this. Like, it doesn't not a bad thing. So that's why I even said, I'm like, oh, it's not even really hate that you got that, you know? Oh, that's such an oversimplification. Like, yes, fact, on to the next. <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I, I like to oversimplify the Bible and the gospel with like four things, which is what you're saying too, which is like confessing your sins, which is repent, right? People, that's a magic word, repent. It's a very simple word with a very complex action and, and philosophy behind it. You know, there's also yep. forgiveness, same thing. It's like one magic, easy little word that encompasses like this giant, long, complex subject and topic and action. You know, there's also obedience, which is like another thing, you know, how many steps of obedience, how much, what mm -hmm. obedience, what are you obeying, you know? And then the fourth, yeah. the fourth would be like faith, like having faith, like having trust in God, you know? And it's like yep. four simple, like little pillars, but like each of them are so big and complex that like, yes, you have to simplify it. Otherwise, hey, do you have um, 
eight days to read the Bible with me right now. <laughs> right. Well, I can summarize right. it for you right now. I can oversimplify it for you right now so you can understand it, you know? Um, right. So right. I didn't, that's why I said, I was like, I don't even think it's a hate comment. It's just like an observation about what you said, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's what's so cool about Christianity, really, is yeah. that you can get the message across and it doesn't have to be overwhelming, you know? And that was pretty much the point of Jesus coming. It was like humans were right. making faith so complex and so hard. Exactly. It was all about obedience. It was confusing. You know, it was causing all these problems. So Jesus came and was just like, hey, man, love me and love your neighbor. Like, <laughs> right. let me simplify the Ten Commandments for you. Love God, love your neighbor. There you go. Like, here's a simple right. thing. Come to me, pray to me, have a relationship with me, you know, um, you don't have to follow these 800 rules of the Mishnah and these 400 rules of this book, you know, obey this, right. do this, you know, read eight, 800 pages and obey every single word and every single page. Like, I don't think you should disregard some of that stuff, but like, it is pretty simple. No. Like, and Jesus Absolutely. was pretty much here to be like, Hey, let me make this simple and easy for you guys. Let me give you a, an easy code, an easy route to me, to God. Um, right. It doesn't have to be so complex, you know? Right. Exactly. And honestly, I found some refuge in the, that mentality. I, I, and you know, where I guess, and we totally agree on everything you just said completely. Um, I would say, you know, it's tougher now with churches now um, to, to actually feel that beautiful simplification because there's so much culture involved. And I, I, not, I don't want to disrespect churches or people that go to churches because I think it's great. But, you know, what made me stop going was that I, I did always feel what I felt was social pressure to do or be a certain way. Yeah. And that... It doesn't. It doesn't jive with, with the message, and it 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 makes people feel uncomfortable in churches where that's the case, where there's, where there's some pressing, social pressure to be a certain way. So that's the to me that's the challenge that the church has. Um, it's a it's, they you know, and I think that. Christians are actually doing an amazing job. I think there's been a big recognition of that issue. And I think that a lot of churches are coming around. And I think that that is super good. And um, I'm very, very optimistic for Christianity's future. I think that so, so much, there's so, so much good happening in the church. Um, but I also, I don't feel a need... I don't feel a big need to be the one, you know, at the church um, in, in the midst of some of the, the, this chaos. I, to, me, to me, the message is is loud and clear. Um, I, I'm always asking questions to, you know, to God, um, always trying to continue to learn and grow in my faith. I don't think you have to go to church to do that. Um, I've certainly grown so much spiritually in the last couple of years. Have have probably been to church maybe once, um, 
but I have grown leaps and bounds on my own leaps and bounds. I feel, I feel better about my relationship with God than ever before without a church. Maybe that's controversial. Maybe people don't think that's possible, but um, I think it's absolutely doable and cool. And I, 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 you know, that's, that's something that I think, I don't know. How do you feel about all that? I mean, I mean, yeah, you could have like 12 debates with what you just said with 12 different people, right? Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's good debates, good arguments on both sides of all of that. But I think at the end of the day, God wants you to return to him. And if you're doing that, then that's what matters. It's not what other people's opinions matter. It's not about going through mo the right motions and, you know, religionizing yourself or becoming a churchian kind of person where you're like obeying these cultural rules. Like God wants you, he wants your soul to like overcome its fallen state and return home to its place yeah. with God and his kingdom for eternity. And if Heck like yeah. you're doing that, then you're doing that and let the other people have their doubts and their criticisms and their debates, you know? I mean, there's right. scriptures I could pull up about, you know, don't forsake the gathering and blah, 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 you know, and some people can take that yeah. out of context or misconstrue it and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what seems much more important is your relationship with God. <laughs> and along yeah. the way, there's a lot of different, like, there's advice that people can give that's actually good and healthy on how to do that. But also, if you're doing that on your own, like, do that on your own. That's what God wants. That's what you should be doing. Yeah, and no, that's a good point. And you now I guess we're having this conversation Christian to Christian. I would never, ever discourage people from going to church, ever, 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 ever. Um, I think that basically people need to go to church, <laughs> even though that is hypocritical. It's completely hypocritical, but I think basically, I think basically you're gonna learn a lot. You are, regardless of where you end up, you know, I, and, and I'm really grateful for the time that I was a, a regular churchgoer. I'm really, really grateful for it. I mean, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. It, yeah. Even if even if somebody goes and they totally hate it, they will learn something, I guarantee it. Yeah. And there's just, I think there is like some beauty and power in being around fellow believers. Singing the same songs, hearing the same yeah. message, fellowshipping, laughing, talking. Like there is beauty and power in that. Are you right. going to go to hell if you miss Sunday? No. <laughs> Are you going to go to hell if you don't take communion this Sunday with your church? Like, no. And I think you're kind of missing the point of Jesus. You know, um, a lot of his parables actually were kind of him refuting the Pharisees for him condemn, like doing stuff on the Sabbath. Right. We're actually talking about this ironically at church on Sunday. When I went to church, he was talking about the religiosity and how people become these man-made ideas of faith instead of like, like Jesus is standing there and the Pharisees are telling him to his face, like, you're not being a good Christian. You know, I'm like paraphrasing here. Like, you're not being a good Christian because you and your disciples are working on the Sabbath because you're like harvesting grain and eating it. And Jesus is like, dude, I'm right here. <laughs> like they're with me. I'm condoning this, bro. Like, and it's like, they just don't get it. It's like, they've become so stuck in their like, man-made rules and customs and culture and they obey their man-made laws like discounting the fact that god is right here being like hey man it's cool like we're having a good time <laughs> yeah. chill bro 
but we get in this religious thing where it's like, well, God wouldn't want you to do that when sometimes God is like sitting here slapping you in the head like, I don't care if you do that or like, I don't mind if you don't do that. What I want you to do is to be with me, to trust me, to love me, to put your faith in me. It's not yes. about not doing something on a Saturday, <laughs> you know? So sometimes exactly. it can be a little ridiculous. Sometimes it's good for people. Like for me personally, I really like and appreciate going to church every Sunday because I wasn't oh, sure. raised in a church because I spent yeah. my whole life, like literally being a non-believer, hating church, hating God, you know, not sure. being in church. And now that like yeah. I am found, I really do actually find like a lot of love and appreciation by going every week. Do I think if I miss next yes. Sunday, I'm going to hell? No. But like, I just really like that it brings me closer to God and I appreciate it. Oh, because totally. I wasn't. But like someone, like I meet people all the time who are like, my parents dragged me to church every Sunday. They put me in uncomfortable clothes. They made me say these words. They made me do this. Right. You know, like I kind of knew who they really were. I really could tend, I really knew that they weren't being very righteous, even though they were forcing me to go through all the motions. And it causes people to like lose their faith in God by, by forcing these like rituals and this religion on, on each on people, on other people. When in reality, like someone like you could be like, you know what, I have a, I have a relationship with God and that's all that matters. And like, I don't need a building or a body of people to do, to help me with that, you know? And going back to what we were saying earlier, yeah. like God just calls people to do different things and have different paths. And it's easy for us to point and be like, you're not doing what I want you to do. You're bad. You're not doing what I think you should do. You're bad. But like, if God's calling you to do something, like you should actually be doing that regardless of what you're quote unquote supposed to do or what people want you to do. Yeah. And you know, one thing I really want to say is that there's so many things about church culture that is so beautiful. And I wish people would be more open-minded, even if they aren't believers, to just honoring this cool culture of people doing their best. There is much about church culture that, that is like so awesome that it's insanely undescribable. Um, yeah, music, singing together. I mean, that that is like insanely cool that we get regular people singing together um we um yeah hear stories again that's so important to get them to get to hear a bible story or hear hear a message to hear it again like humans absolutely need to hear the message again um and all the fellowship all of the fun times um fundraisers you know working as a team getting to making family friends um, it's so special, you know, I, I would, I would hope that people would try if, if, if somebody was a fresh believer, you know, and they, what's the old fashioned way to find Jesus these days, probably on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, I mean, on a jail cell floor and on YouTube scrolling, scrolling the links. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, they finally found the right, you know channel online on TikTok or whatever. <laughs> they stumble across my channel and then they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Find, you, you know, you never know. If some, But if somebody like was like really getting into the Bible and really becoming a Christian, I would say try out church just for fun. Even if you're like the most millennial hippie Christian ever, which I guess I am, um, like <laughs> you should... <laughs> And I'll and I'll wear and I'll own that, but I know yeah. who I am. Yeah. Um, like even if you are, I would say, 
see what the church culture is all about. There, there will be some things that that make you cry tears of joy because it's so cool. And even if you say, "Well, I just I can't handle this. I don't want to do um, the Bible study. I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to do the same thing every week and have listen to the same person read the announcements and have the same coffee hour after." And that just I don't like that. That's that's okay, but there's going to be some other things as as a new Christian that I think I think a new Christian would find so touching. Yeah, yeah. And if you ever want to come to church, if you ever have that feeling, uh, feel free to come with me. I found a nice little church in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. It's uh, pretty dope. Where are you it's going? Pretty dope. It's called Redemption City Church in Franklin. It's okay. Awesome. I just I think their theology is on it. Everyone there is so nice, like authentically nice, not like weird, <laughs> fake nice, phony nice. Um, right. Yeah, everything about it's just been perfect. I mean, I've been church kind of I've been kind of church hopping for like the last you know two and a half three years since I've been like no since kidding. I found Christ, and I just cool. haven't found the right place. And now this is just it, you know. So yeah, if you ever want to, man, feel yeah. free. Feel free to no, join that me. Mean, that means that. a lot, man. Um, it. It's a lot of work to find a good church, and you actually yeah. did it. And I give you a yeah. lot of credit for that. That, and then even that, like you might come and be like, "Nah, I mean, there's some core principles I just don't really vibe with and agree with." And it's like, it's kind of like the bad, the bad part and the great part is like you can kind of just go down the street <laughs> and find another right. church. Sometimes that's right. bad because then it makes people not actually commit and like stay, even though things might get a little, little tough or a little disagreements here and there with your church it's so easy for you to be like okay i'm leaving you know when sometimes right. you should kind of stick it out and you should kind of try to be the change the positive change where you're where you are like sure. bloom where you're planted concept but also totally. like if it's just not right like also there's a church down the street and then there's another church on the next block and there's another church <laughs> you know maybe not everywhere in america but at least in tennessee so it's like you're kind of bound to find one for you the right place for you eventually um, or not, or yeah. could just <laughs> not go to church too and still have that personal, meaningful, actual spiritual relationship with God without it, you know? Yeah. But, well, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, that's a very nice offer. That's, that's great. So yeah, yeah. maybe anytime. I'll give you a, I'll give you a maybe for sure. Anytime you come to church with me and the night before we'll go out to a, a speakeasy. <laughs> Yeah. I'll go to a speakeasy. I'll go to the Devil's Playground at a speakeasy and listen to Satan's music jazz, you know, and then Right. <laughs> the, next day, only... the next day we'll go to church. Uh, <laughs> and repent of the the night before. <laughs> no. We're only pretending that drinking is legal at the speakeasy. It's only play pretend. It's yeah. It's good under the law. Just yeah. don't overdo it. So Awesome. Hey man, really yeah. enjoyed being on the show. Yeah. Yeah, one final question, but um, and yeah, we're gonna have to definitely have you back on because I had a bunch of other topics and questions that were gonna be fun, and uh, we'll, okay. get, we'll get into them later, next time you're on. Um, but before I ask my final last question here, do you have any like plugs or shout-outs for anyone out there, or where people can find and follow you? Oh, you know that's like I really should have thought about that. Come, <laughs> give me another question, and and I'll I'll <laughs> click on my computer and get you some plugs. No, no worries. Um, what, uh, let's ask this one. Do you think straws have one hole or two holes? You know, I guess they only have one <laughs> hole. I... You sure? 
Absolutely, I'm yeah. sure they only have one hole. It's just an optical <laughs> illusion. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you wash your apples? I do. I, I usually don't. I usually actually buy dried fruit. I don't know if any of your oh, really? listeners saw me eating my dried mango. Oh, but wow. I'm a dry, I've become a dried fruit man. Dried it's fruit. suitable for a for a bachelor, an unchurch like bachelor <laughs> like me. It's not, not worried about yeah. the fruit in the bowl, so I just buy a dried. Are you in? Are you? You don't have to give away your specific location, but are you in East Nashville? Uh, I'm in Donaldson. Donaldson. I, so that's northeast Nashville. North. Um, it's east of East Nashville. They're kind of parallel. Okay. Cause I was gonna say yeah. it would've been really funny if it was, cause like that I was gonna say like that's such an East Nashville kind of thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a I live in a gentrified neighborhood kind of thing. Like oh, I'm I'm so hip, I'm so hipster that I eat my fruit freeze dried, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I guess I'm like a walking enigma, right? Because like Donaldson is like totally like a conservative community, and it's like. A very cookie. I live in a very cookie cutter neighborhood, right. in a co- cookie cutter house with my cookie cutter neighbors, and <laughs> I I I want to show the world that just because you're a musician doesn't mean you can't live in a cookie cutter house and in cookie cutter suburbia, yeah. and um, you know, and you don't and it, just because you're a musician it doesn't mean you're broke either. Not every musician ever is broke or you know, maybe I'm weird on some level, but I actually like having neighbors living in this like highly prototypical Nashville suburb. So, you know, there you, there you have it, people. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. On. Right on. We got those plugs and shout outs where people can find or follow you. Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at it's the 2020s. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Billy Allen who's an unbelievable photographer. Here's the thing, like, and I'll give you his Instagram handle in a second. With social media now, everybody has good pictures. It's to actually get somebody that can literally take you to the next level. Like, that's special. And like, if you go to my Instagram, it's the 2020s and you look at this headshot of me, I don't know how he did it, but I, it's like, I can guarantee you, I don't look that good in real life, but it is, it is like, <laughs> this is like a professional photo. You've seen it. Like, it's like, how did he pull that off? <laughs> like, I look like Brad Pitt or something. So if you have like, if you really want to look incredible, like this, he's got like, it's like a natural gift. I can't explain it. Um, and he's, you know, spiritual guy. I don't know exactly. Um, if he's a Christian or not, but I know that he's very, very spiritual and this guy can, he just, he gets into it. He is super good. So, um, his name is Billy Allen and his Instagram is Billy Allen, Allen spelled A L L E N underscore I am. So it's Billy Allen underscore I am. And look, if you look at the pictures this guy takes, um, if you look at like his tag section or whatever, like this guy's, he's special, very gifted. Right on. That's good to know. 
<laughs> you yeah, always, I mean, always got to know like a lawyer, a doctor, and a photographer. <laughs> right. Now that we live in like social media land, you actually need to have a photographer. And this guy, he's like, he's got, he's got it, man. Like, there's so many photographers. How do you actually find one that's like next level? Like, it's a, it's a decent question. So and it's just like finding a church. Like you need somebody to do all the work and actually find somebody great. So. Right on. Awesome. My final, my final last question is, um, did you have fun tonight? Absolutely. <laughs> I love talking about That's hot awesome. button issues, um, especially with uh, an intelligent, friendly person such as yourself. And right um, it was always nice. I felt very flattered by the interview to just gush about my own me i don't get to do that ever so that's always that made me feel great and um you know i yeah it's great great knowing you man i think you do a great show and um thank you i'm glad we met and was glad to be a guest today yeah thank you thank you so much for coming on man this is great and we'll have you all right definitely have you back on for sure well thanks jonathan it was a good time